So Money Episode 783, Ryan Serhant, star of Bravo's Million Dollar Listing New York and author of Sell It Like Serhant. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Model become a real estate guru and reality TV star. Welcome to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Maybe you've heard of Ryan Serhand. If you watch Bravo and know anything about real estate in New York City, Ryan Serhand is on the show today. He's a co-star on Bravo's Million Dollar Listing New York. He's the author of the new book, Sell It Like Serhand, and he's one of the city's top real estate agents. His story began as a shy, out-of-work hand model, and he entered the real estate business in 2008, which in some ways was the worst time to be an agent in the real estate market. But Ryan will share how he rose to become one of the top agents in the world, how he parlayed his career into reality television, and of course, had to ask him his advice for first-time buyers. Sell It Like Serhand is his new book. It comes out tomorrow, September 18th. By the way, Ryan and I will actually be at the 92nd Street Y in Manhattan later in November, along with our friend Dan Chabelle, who's a New York Times bestselling author and millennial workplace expert. He's been on this podcast. The three of us will be leading a discussion around creating human connection in a digital world. If you'd like to join us there, that's Monday, November 26th at the 92nd Street Y. Tickets are available, though there are limited seats. It starts at tickets are $29 and the show starts at seven o'clock. Without further ado, here is Ryan Serhant. Ryan Serhant, welcome to So Money. You're pretty so money already, but... (laughs) Thank you. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. So look, I want to talk all about one of my favorite shows on television. I don't have cable anymore, but I actually pay for Bravo so that I can watch Real Housewives of New York and Million Dollar Listing New York and Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. But really, it's your show is one of the top most enjoying shows. I mean, because everyone knows I love real estate, but you love real estate. You have so much going on right now. You have the show, you have the spinoff, which is Sell It Like Sirhand, and you also have a new book. And so firstly, congratulations. Thank you. That's a huge deal. Now, I want to get into all of that, but let's go back for listeners who may not know how you arrived at being the top broker in New York City. You have this incredible team here in Brooklyn, too, where I live. So I walk by often and um, I'm, I'm loving your listings on Instagram, by the way. Thank but you. how did you, why and how did you make the decision to leave acting, right, to become a real estate mogul? I mean, what was the the moment where you were like, this is not working out. And by the way, specifically, I want to go into real estate. Uh, well, the mogul thing didn't come till much, much later. Honestly, it was the, the summer of 2008. Uh, the market hadn't crashed yet, but I was still trying to be an actor living in New York City. I moved into the city in 2006 after graduating college. I had no work. I had no jobs. I was 
paying for my rent by like hand modeling. I was doing the kind of the random stuff just to get by, pay for food. Um, and I basically just run out of money and I didn't want to get a survival job, right? I didn't want to wait tables. I didn't want to bartend because I knew that if I did that, I had enough friends who were much older than me who were still doing their survival job 10, 15, 20 years later. And so I didn't, I didn't want to put myself up in a situation where I would just, I would be stuck, right? I didn't want to be comfortable with just a job. I knew that if I was going to stay in New York, I needed to figure this out somehow, some way. And a friend of mine said, listen, you know, get your real estate license. The barrier of entry is so low. It's a couple hundred bucks. You take a test online and then you take a state test and you get your license and then you can advise people on million dollar purchases. And you can also make your own hours because there's no boss when you're a real estate agent. You can work 24 hours a day. You can work one hour a month. It's totally up to you. And I had spent two years as my own boss, being an actor in the city, setting my own schedule, setting my own hours, you know, um, and so that's what I did. And my first day was the day Lehman Brothers filed for bankruptcy on September oh my God. 15th. So were you thinking, what did I just do? I mean, that was a pretty dark time for a lot of people in a lot of industries, but particularly real estate experience. I mean, New York was relatively unscathed, but still quite a uh, rude awakening into real estate. Well, hindsight's twenty twenty because I had no money and I was coming from the soap opera, free theater, hand modeling business. And so I didn't honestly... I, you know, ignorance is bliss. I, I saw what was happening on CNN. I saw what was happening on the news. I heard from like friends who worked in banking, but it didn't really affect me because I didn't have a lifestyle to uphold. You know, the mm -hmm. people that it affected, they had monthly bills, they had mortgages, they had, they had rent, you know, they had things that they had to pay for that all of a sudden when the market dries up, like that's where things get hard. So for me, I already knew how to scrounge to pay my rent and, you know, pay my monthly grocery bill. So everything was just kind of up from there. I just thought that, wow, this business is so hard. How do you get clients? No one wants to buy anything. And my first clients as a real estate agent, I found on Craigslist and I found in Starbucks and I found outside Saks Fifth Avenue on 49th Street. Um, and What would you say would, to these people? You just walk up to them? and Well, on Craigslist, you would post open listings because I didn't have any listings. And I was 24 and you know in khaki pants and cowboy boots. That was my nice clothes. <laughs> um, and so I would just get people and then try to show them around. And in Starbucks, I would just go up to people and so shameless, you know, I didn't like, I didn't have anything to lose. What's the worst thing someone could say to me? No, I'm not interested. Like, okay, no one was going to punch me in the face. So I always, I mean, my parents raised me that way. So I was just shameless with talking to people and, you know, I would go up to foreigners who, you know, were speaking a different language and had shopping bags in their hands. And if they had more than two shopping bags, that was my cue to know that maybe they had some money to possibly invest in real estate. Like that's, <laughs> So I go up to those people. I go up to pregnant women in Starbucks and ask them if they needed more space, stuff Aww. like that. Yeah. You mentioned your parents, you know, on this show, we often go down memory lane and we talk to guests about the influences they had growing up and you, I, <laughs> Bravo, Andy, Andy Cohen for your book wrote that Ryan is not only charming and hilarious, he could sell milk to a cow. So you're you're perceived as this person who can really just sell anything. And I wonder if going back to childhood, if there were lessons learned, there is a study that we always reference, which is uh, from Chase Slate, our sponsor, that found that over half of parents have talked to their kids about money. Did you yeah. have a conversation about entrepreneurship or selling or did you experience it as a kid? We definitely didn't talk about entrepreneurship. You know, my dad had 
a great job for a really long time until he retired. And that was sort of the blueprint for what I thought I was supposed to do so much so that I took the LSAT and tried to go to law school when I graduated college, but I just bombed it. And so I said, you know what, screw it. I'll spend the next two years trying to be an actor, which is what I wanted to do, uh, and see what happens first, because I knew that later on in life, I wouldn't be able to do it again. Um, so I might as well do it when I'm young, but you know, I do look back to childhood a lot because I wrote a book and the book, like you just said, it comes out in September. Um, and you know, a lot of people say, well, I'm not a naturally born salesperson and, but neither was I, like I was, I was chubby, I was terrible skin. I was so shy. I was an introvert. I moved eight times by the time I was in fourth grade. I never wanted to make new friends. I was embarrassed around people. I don't like being in crowds. So, you know, 10 years ago, if you asked me if I was a natural born salesperson, I would have said, absolutely not. But I figured it out. And there were certain key moments growing up that did help me. So on one of those moves that we did, I think it was going into fifth grade, we moved and my parents knew that we were kind of distressed because we left our friends again. Mm-hmm. And my dad said, okay, we're going to make friends. And it was a terrifying moment, but he just took me and my little brother down the street and we went and just knocked on people's doors. And we said, hi, my name is John Ryan and Jack Surant. We just moved up the street. Would you like to be our friend? Aww. And it was so terrifying, but I'm still friends with some of those people to this day because not enough people do that. Not enough people say hello, which is the easiest pickup line ever. Like, hello, you want to be my friend? You don't have to do it like Jim Carrey and the cable guy where you're freaky <laughs> and scary, but to do it in a nice way where it's like, hey, like, this is what I and do. This is what I can offer. It works. It's really humbling, right? Because you have to wait for that person to say yes or no. Yeah. And they might, and kids can be rude. Kids can be mean. I mean, maybe not with your dad there, but I did that on the bus. We moved a lot growing up and I have to get on a new bus every few years and sit right. next to someone. And I would just, you know, if maybe it wasn't, can I be your friend? But it was, can I sit here? Can I sit next to you? And yeah. some kids say no, but, um, that I think fast forward, I think that kind of showed up with your perseverance at Starbucks and outside Fifth Avenue, like Sex Fifth Avenue was just going up to people and having no fear. Yes, correct. Um, that and to, you know, my parents really instilled in me the power of just hard work. You know, I had to, I was a contractor's laborer, not by choice, but because I was forced to every summer, you know, I did yard work every single summer and I was paid, I don't know, couple bucks an hour. And it was the absolute worst ever uh, until I graduated college. But what that really, really taught me was I better work my butt off once I graduate. So I never have to do another roof ever again. (laughs) What would you say is your money philosophy? We know your business and sales philosophy to an extent, but when it comes to managing your money, making your money, saving your money, do you have a philosophy or one of many philosophies? Uh, I don't know if I had one single philosophy other than it's better to have it than not have it. Um, you know, I distinctly remember that summer of 2008 before I got into this business, you know, when people really ask me, why did you get into real estate? Why did you, you know, give up on your passion, quote unquote, it's because I, I remember my debit card being declined at the food emporium on 59th and first Avenue and being so embarrassed that I just left in front of all these people that were in line and getting on the subway and just crying on the way back home to 31st street. How old were you? Uh, 24, I guess I was. Yeah. It was 10 years ago. So it was 24. Where are you from originally? What part of the country? 
I was born in Texas and I lived a little bit in Long Island, but I basically grew up in, outside Boston. So New York is tough. You know, you probably learned that early, early on with the rejection in acting and then your debit card gets denied and then you get the real estate license and then the market crashes. Um, yeah. I mean, have you connected those dots and realized like you have kind of always been at the forefront of um, of risk and failure and rejection and like that's a good thing. Yeah, all, I guess I mean, so. relatively speaking, I mean, not terrible things haven't happened to you, but you know what I mean? Like all these stories that you've shared describe yeah. a sim- have a similar pattern, which is that you had sort of this like, um, you know, this resilience, something was like a headwind, but you persevered. Um, is that in your DNA or are you just kind of like had to because of survival? Uh, honestly, I think it's 50-50. I think that survival instinct definitely kicks in. But I also know that nothing is ever going to just be given to me. I mean, every real estate deal I do is hard. None of them are easy. And the ones that are easy, like once a year where a deal just sort of happens and it's like, wow, that was, that was pretty awesome. It's always a wow moment because I just go into every single deal expecting that it's going to take a year off my life. Um, uh, you know, so I don't know. I, I just think that, uh, you know, the, those two years where I was acting in the city, honestly, were the best two years that I could possibly have prepared for getting into real estate because it was two years of personal rejection. Mm-hmm. Because when you try to act in New York City, you're going up against people that know what they're doing and you're spending eight hours in line just to try to be seen by a casting director only to be told that you're too tall. And only to be told that, and then to forget your line and it's embarrassing and you, you know, you don't get the part anyway. And you do that every day for almost two years. And then you get into real estate and people lie to you to save $5 and they don't want to take that apartment because they don't like the windows, but they never (laughs) don't take an apartment because you're too tall, right? They never take an an apartment. It's not about you. Of your face. And so, yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of salespeople get out of the business because they can't handle the rejection. I think it's like 82% of the newly licensed real estate agents in New York City quit within the first 12 months because they can't handle the rejection. For me, I was like, this is great. All I know is rejection. This isn't that bad. Right, right. They just don't like the apartment and people are crazy. Once you know that, you're fine. So the tenets of Sell It Like Sirhant, which is your book that is out now, this, this is airing in September. Um, it's, it's, well, so you obviously talk about this from the perspective of a real estate expert, but really this is for anybody who wants to be at the top of their game in business selling. And so we've heard already from you that it's really important to show up. That's a lot of it. You know, introduce yourself, say hello, get to know your customer, um, yes. know that rejection is just part of the process. But what are some other kind of um, relatively lesser known strategies or tactics that you really wanted to bring out into the world that you have lived? Uh, I mean, there's a lot, you know, I, it took me basically 10 years to write this book. I never wanted to just write a book just to write a book. Um, And I basically took what I call my agent Bible, which is kind of my playbook for how to sell and how to build a sales career that I give to my team members in New York and really expanded upon that and turned that into this book. Yeah, it's stories and deal stories and all that. And it's funny. Um, but you know, a lot of the book is how to build a sales career and not just how to sell 
one thing because there's lots of books out there that can tell you how to sell a banana, but if they don't tell you how to sell a banana every day for the rest of your life so that you can live comfortably, then that book is a waste of my time. And so what I really wanted to do was write something that I haven't seen before, which is in this day and age where the job market is tough, where people are loaded with student debt, where people are getting fired left and right because the job market is tough, how can you pull yourself up? And you do that by learning to sell. And you do that by selling anything that you actually like, whether it's real estate or shoes online, right? If you know how to sell and you know how to create a sales career, you can pull yourself out of debt and you can lead the life that you that you want to live. I mean, without fail, without fail. And I've seen it over and over and over, especially on Sell Like Sirhan, the TV show we did on Bravo, which is, um, I think, still airing. But that's, you know, working with people who sell different things other than real estate. And I saw that, you know, you can sell a lot of hot tubs and be just as happy as selling a lot of real estate. Um, and so how to set up your day is something that we go into a lot in the book, which no other book talks about. Like the logistics of being an entrepreneur. What do you do when you wake up? You have no boss. What do you do? Just pick up the phone and call people. Who do you call? Like what do you go to an office? Do you stay home? How do you set up your day so that you can be the most productive every week? every month, every quarter, and every year, and that you actually work towards your goals. How do you follow up with people? What's the proper types of follow-up? And then when it comes down to sales, I think something that we use a lot is called the wow moment, uh, which we go into in the book as well. And that wow moment is, uh, is something that I learned actually from a shoe salesman who I went into, I think it was Bergdorf's, to buy my first pair of fancy shoes. And I had a certain budget in mind and he just happened to wow me with a pair of shoes that was much more expensive. And I loved it, couldn't afford it. But then he sold me a pair just underneath that price point, which was still more expensive than the budget I went in there with. And I actually bought two pairs because I knew that they were a really <laughs> great deal. And I do that with real estate all the time. You're not convincing people of doing something they don't want. You're just wowing them with what what the possibilities could be. Well, you're getting those dopamine levels up. You're yeah. you're taking them outside of uh, their financial comfort zone. That's actually something that I would say to people, don't do. Like, what, No matter how much the real estate agent wants to show you the home that's out of your budget, don't do it because then you're going to fall in love with the amenities and you're going to change your perspective. And hey, if you can afford it, great. But you know, behavioral psychology is a big part of selling Sales. successfully. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, for sure. All right. So I can't get my head wrapped around. I want to still talk about when you got your debit card rejected at uh, the Food Emporium on 59th Street. You went home on the subway crying. What did you do next? <laughs> oh, man. That Sorry to so bring sad. it up again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what did I do next? Was it kind yeah, of was, like a, an aha moment for you? Like, I'm never going to be rejected. My debit card will always get. <laughs> you know what? I, mean, I think in, in hindsight, sure. But at the time it was just so devastating, and terrible. I probably actually called my mom and was just like, I hate this city. I hate these people. I, I can't make any money here. I don't know what to do. I think my mom probably gave me a pep talk. Um, but I just, I think I just went right back to the work that I was doing, which at the time was, trying to act, which was trying to be seen in, you know, different types of theatrical productions in the city and just not letting it affect me. Right. And realizing that, that also that it costs a lot of money to live in New York city and that I just never wanted to feel that way ever again. You know, I never wanted to feel like poor ever again, which I know is kind of a, it's a weird thing to say, but that, that is an awful feeling. Um, 
And I think more, it probably just came later as an aha moment of like that. That's what feeling poor can actually feel like. And it makes you feel helpless. And I'm going to figure out what I can do to try to make a little more money. So I never have to feel that way again. And then a month or two later is when I got into real estate. When is a deal so stressful that you just say to yourself, you know what, it's not worth it. So uh, I'm, I'm, trying to understand. So you have this like mindset when you're younger that I never want to be poor again. So you do to some extent go after the money. But now that you're successful and you're established, like there's a fine line, right? Between you said, I, I know that every deal is going to take a year off my life. And you say that probably tongue in cheek, but to, to your point, like it can be really stressful. It can take a long time. What is your, um, what is the cost benefit analysis now when you have a deal and you're like, okay, this is going to just take me away too much for my family or, or, or does that not even factor in yet? Cause you're just so passionate and so hungry. Uh, no, it, it does. Not that it would take me away from my family, but it's more of, of a cost benefit analysis on my time because it's, very important to me now where even if the client might be difficult, even if they might be uh, really, really, really tough, which listen, people in real estate are, you know, there's no like secret land where sellers and buyers and developers are, are like candy, you know, they're not all nice and you have to deal with difficult people. If you're going to be a good salesperson, you have to know how to do it. You have to know how to kill bees with honey every single day and always be the better person. But you know, now I've gotten a little bit better at understanding where very tough deals could take a significant amount of my time and they're just not worth it to me to expend those types of resources and the resources of my team because I'm not just doing all this by myself. I have a large seat and if, I, if I'm roping them into it too, it's much harder on them than it is on me and I don't want to do that. But if it takes away a lot of my time and the client is difficult, I, I won't do it. I read something really cool that you, uh, it was a quote, you were quoted in uh, an article about your t- how you manage time and your kind of work-life balance. I think it was on the Bravo blog. And um, really interesting, you said that you BCC your wife on emails, especially when they pertain to deals, because then when you come home, she can know if like a deal went through or didn't and can kind of be prepared for your emotional state. Is that true? Yeah. Not on every email, you know, yeah. I'll verify that because uh, that would just be crazy. I'd, I'd, shoot, I'd drive her crazy and obviously not on client sensitive emails, but on certain emails, right. That are kind of like big emails. And you know, if there's like a really, really bad deal that's happening, I'll BCC her on something that I would be showing her when I got home anyway, or talk to her when I got home anyway. But that way she knows exactly like what you just said. That way, like I, my wife is my partner both yeah. in life and you know, in business, even though we don't work together. And I see a lot of people having trouble with that life work balance where by the time they get home, they're so exhausted from the day. They just don't want to talk about it. You know, they just want their wife or their husband where they are. They want the kids where they are and kind of try to just live life, but you can't get rid of it. It's on your shoulders. It's in your chest. It's in your face. Whatever you went through for the last 12 hours doesn't automatically imaginarily disappear the minute you get home. And so, you know, that's, it's one way that I know to include Amelia into my daily life and where she's ready to go when I get home. Um, and so it works. It's smart because I know that when you have two people living, leading different careers and different lives from nine to five or whatever the hours are that you work, it's like you said, it's hard to come home and really like, understand how your day went. You're too tired to even talk about it. But I think 
whether it's BCCing your spouse on or your partner on an email or just texting, you know, just highlights of your day or down points of your day. I think that's important because what it also elicits is empathy. So you get home and your partner like gets it, you know, and maybe you don't have to say anything, but it's understood. Yeah. And there's no resentment and all of that misunderstanding that can happen that really can be avoided. So I like that. I really like that advice that you gave. All right. So what is, give us a tease for what's to come. This is airing in the fall of 2018. Um, you know, personal goal, professional goal. What's next for Ryan Serhant? <laughs> uh, well, we are probably just about to start filming Millionaire Listing Season 8. Um, and hopefully we'll be filming the second season of Sell It Like Serhant. Um, and the book is out. So I hope a lot of people read it and it helps them in some way, shape or form, even if they're not in a sales business, you know, it's a, it's a funny, smart business book, which is how someone described it to me. And I'll take that. Uh, but next for me is, is figuring out how to reinvent the brokerage industry and not just in how to put listings out there, not just in like being the next Zillow, but the way people buy and sell real estate in this country has changed drastically in the last couple of years. And there's a way... How do you mean? Like how? Uh, it's become incredibly price sensitive, where it always used to be home sensitive. You know, people used to go and see homes. The price wasn't as big of a factor in terms of going to see it or not see it, because everything now is in your phone. Everything now is on the computer. Everything now is in certain search brackets. Um, and so people see homes now based on price point instead of seeing homes based on how the home is going to make them feel instead of just seeing it based on, well, that's the neighborhood that I want to be in. And there's a way that that is hurting our industry from New York to California. And I think there's a way to fix that. I just haven't figured it out yet. Maybe it's like 3d, (laughs) 3d to house tours from your apartment so that you can actually, or like beaming people, virtual reality, or I don't know, some other kind of technology that's probably going to help to get people to feel more like they're experiencing the home rather than just reading prices. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. So we'll see what happens. 2019, I think is going to be awesome, but I say that every year. Awesome. All right. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a real treat for me. And I know a lot of our listeners, we're all Bravo fans here. A lot of us, maybe not everybody. Don't send me any hate mail, but (laughs) uh, it's no secret that I'm a fan and I really appreciate your time. Congratulations. And we'll see you on the screens. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Ryan for joining us. If you missed any of this, just hop over to somoneypodcast.com where you can read the transcript, download the audio, and also leave me a message for our Friday episodes of Ask Farnoosh. And if you'd like to co-host, that's also a good place to let me know. And as always, join me on Instagram. Follow me there. You can direct message me your financial questions, career questions, or let me know if you want to co-host. I'm on Instagram at Farnoosh Tarabi. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Happy Monday. And I hope your day is so money.